This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. You can open up to 2 Kings chapter 6. Last week we started talking about God's peace for your storm. And we talked about you're basically in one of three positions. You're either in a storm right now, just came out of one, or headed towards one. And last week we talked about, for those of you that might be in a storm, how you don't have to wait till after the storm passes or after the storm is over or after you see how things turn out, that you can have peace in the storm. And we talked about how Jesus, um, this particular peace that we're talking about is not something, and I need to make this really clear because everything is not, um, it's not all equal in the sense of some things are not available to everybody. As an example, there are some things that if you have children that they have access to in your house because they are your children. And so the peace that God gives us through Jesus Christ is a peace that you as a believer, not everyone has access to it yet. They have to be a believer first, but as a believer, you have access to God's peace. As a matter of fact, I said last week, he gave them a promise. There was two things he was leaving behind. He said, I'm going to leave you my peace, and I'm giving you a promise of the Holy Spirit that's coming. And so both of those, you have access to both of those. And so um, he says, I'm going to give you a peace that the world does not give. And how does the world give peace? The world gives, gives peace that is temporary. You know, you can pop a piece of peace. You ain't going to say nothing. You can drink you some peace. Uh-huh. But it's temporary. It's not real peace, you know. And then when you, you know, when it's with other people involved and other people, folks will be peaceable towards you when you do what they want you to do. But when you don't do what they want you to do, then the peace that they gave you, they'll take right back from you. That's not the peace of our Father. He says, he says Jesus said, the peace I give to you is not like the world. I'm going to give you peace, not when the storm is over, but peace in the middle of the storm. I'm going to give you peace even when you can't see how you're going to come out of that storm. I'm going to give you peace. It's not a temporary peace. It's not a passing phase. It's not a, oh, I, I'm just optimistic. It's not a, oh, I'm just wishful thinking. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a deep-seated knowledge, a deep-seated uh, understanding in your knower, in your spirit, man, that God is in control. And because he is in your boat, you don't have to be afraid like everybody else. And so, because we already know that we're all going to hit a storm, we've already gone through storms, and some of us are in storms right now, the best thing we can do when you can't get out of situations, and that's kind of like a storm, because you know, when you, when you think about a storm, when a storm comes, you can't just run from a storm. It's coming. You just got to, you got to ride through that thing, right? So, since we know that there are going to be storms that come, the best thing we can do is position ourselves to walk in the promise of peace that God gives us in a storm. I was thinking about today's message, and I had a flashback to a movie, The Dark Knight. Don't act like you don't see The Dark Knight. Amen. Uh-huh. And um, Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I know some of y'all ain't heard or seen The Catwoman since, you know, the... the the, uh, the TV series, Batman, boom, bow, you know how that used to be written? Uh-huh. But in the movie, praise God, uh-huh, 
she, she, she went to Bruce Wayne and she said, she said, I need you to understand that there's a storm coming. And she begins to define why she says there's a storm coming. But what I realized as I thought about that is that there are some storms that you can see coming. You know how you go outside and and especially sometimes of the winter, and the, the sky will change. You're like, mm, it looks like there might be some snow coming. There's certain ways that the sky looks when snow is coming. There's certain ways that the sky looks when rain is coming. You can kind of sense sometimes when a storm is coming. As a matter of fact, I'm sensing. My mother used to say, oh, it's, it's going to rain. I said, well, how do you know that? You watch the weather? No, Uncle Arthur told me, we don't have no Uncle Arthur, arthritis. There's something about you can sense. When a storm, yes, yeah, some of y'all got the same uncle. When you can sense that a storm is coming. <laughs> one time, I tell a story. One time, we were out with our family. We were on vacation uh, with our greater extended family, and and um, we like water. And so we were on the water and um, hanging out, and and um, several of us were in the water, and um, we were just kind of playing around and, and competing against each other, and we had paddle boards. And if you're not familiar with the paddle board, it's just a board that you would stand on that has long paddles. You'd have two of them, you know, one of them. It's two of them, I don't remember. Two. Well, make up your mind. Is it two or one? All right. So we're going to go with one. And so, you, you know, you just paddle along. But first, you, when you get on it, you got to get your balance because you're standing on water, you know, and on a board. And then, you, you know, you get your little balance and you start moving. And you can make some good progress on that paddle board. Well, uh, my youngest son, we were out there, and, um, and so we started, you know, saying we we're going to compete against each other. So I was still on my board, and he was trying to be on his board, but it looked like every time he would get ready to move, he would fall off his board. Boom, just splash right in the water. And it was so funny to me that every time I laughed, because I'm barely balanced myself, I laughed, which made me fall off my board because I couldn't keep my balance. So he's getting back on his board, I get on my board, he falls off, I fall off. This is a big circus. And so all the other family members, while we're going through all these shenanigans, all the other family members are going back to the side. I look up and I'm like, uh, because you can hear this little thunder in the background. Oh, that's not good. You know, you don't want to be on a lake. We're not, you know, we're not even in the pool. We're out where you can't see where you came from, like around the bend in a lake over our heads. It wasn't funny any longer. <laughs> it's like you could hear the thunder rolling. You could see the lightning. And I'm like, this thing happened so fast. But we're like, it's not raining yet, but we knew a storm is coming. And so by this point, we're both in the water again. And I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, oh, God, he going to be, when he really, because it happened quick. And, you know, I'm a little more aware of all of this stuff. And I'm saying to myself, He's going to be really scared when he realizes how bad shape we're in, you know. So I'm like, I'm going to ask him if he's all right. And I'm going to look him in the eyes. I said, son, because I can't even get to him. This is, the current is moving us the wrong direction. Let's start with that. It's about this much space where Elder Peter is between me and him. Water's well over our heads. And I'm like, Aaron. I said, you all right? He said, yeah. He said, dad, are you? I said, oh, no, I'm not all right at all. I'm worried. <laughs> So he was encouraging me. He's like, Dad, it's going to be okay. I'm like, I don't see a way out of this one because the water is moving us the wrong way. It's over our head, and the storm is moving quite close. And so somehow or another, we finagled and figured out 
we couldn't get all the way back to where we came from, but we could get over to like this, it was land, but it was like an island or off to the side. And so we finally got there and finally, um, no thanks to our family who didn't send for help. But anyway, finally somebody rescued us, praise God. And we, and, we made it, and we made it back. And I said that to say sometimes when you see things around you start change, start changing, you start recognizing that a storm is coming. And, and sometimes you can see changes around you. Sometimes you might see a relationship breaking down and you start recognizing there might be a storm coming. Or maybe there's times when maybe your child is falling behind in school or maybe they failed the class and they failed another class. You start thinking maybe there's a storm coming. Or, or maybe, you know, if you've ever been on unemployment before and, you, you know, you're all right at first. But then your checks start running out. Now, the storm didn't come yet, but you start thinking maybe a storm is, is, is coming. You know, there's this season situations in our lives when we start seeing changes happen around us that we start being concerned about a storm coming. You, you, sometimes we hear about the environment, the greater environment around us begin to change, whether politically, economically. Sometimes it's the markets that change around us. Sometimes we recognize that the housing market will change, and sometimes that can make you anxious because you're like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. The housing market changes. Sometimes it's the job market. It's like, you know, you get ready to graduate college or you just got a degree, and all of a sudden you realize that jobs aren't in place the way they used to be. Sometimes it's the job market that changes. Sometimes it's the stock market, and we know the stock market has a lot to do with the greater economy. Sometimes the stock market changes. And in the pandemic, sometimes it's just the doggone grocery market that changed because <laughs> market that changed because, because stuff is not what you thought it was going to be when you needed it. And you, when those kinds of things happen, we can be almost like my mother. You don't have to have even anything majorly tangible, but something in you starts sensing that a storm is coming. And the first thing you do is what I did when I was in the water. The first thing you say is, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? And if we're not careful, we can become very anxious and we can become uh, in a place where we actually give up our peace and lose our peace at a time that we perhaps need it more than ever. And I want to talk to you a bit about how do you keep your peace when you sense a storm is coming? How do you hold on to that peace even when you see a storm is coming? I'm going to tell you that you can have peace even when you sense or see a storm coming. How many believe that? And watch this. A lot of us, and I'm going to throw myself in this one, a lot of us want to wait until we have a solution before we have peace. So let me just start to all, because there's a segment of you that fit this ticket. Some of us are people that like closure. It's like, I'm good as long as I have closure, as long as I have the check thing, as long as I have, it's done, as long as I have a book in. And so for people who like closure and you got a situation or a problem approaching that you don't have a solution or answer for, that bugs you. Who am I talking to this morning? Yeah, and there's going to be times when you're not going to have the answer and you're not going to see the way out. You're going to see the storm coming, but you won't see the way out and you won't know what to do up front. But guess what? You're going to find out this morning that even when you see a storm coming and you don't see how you'll get out of it, you can have peace before you have an answer. I'm going to say that again. You can have peace before you have an answer. Sometimes we want to wait until we have peace. I'll be okay once the doctor calls back and says it ain't cancer. You can have peace today. Before you get, I'll have peace after they tell me today, they hire me, it's all official. No, you can have peace right now. 
I'll have peace if I see if I pass and I graduate. No, you can have peace today. You don't have to delay your peace until after you have an answer, until after you know what to do, until after you have closure. But you can have peace right now. So we're going to look at 2 Kings, and you're going to find out in a moment that there's two people again, two different people going through, if you will, the same storm, but they're in two different boats. They have two different ways of seeing and perceiving what's happening to them, but you're going to find out what it took for one to have peace and what it took for the other person to lose peace. And if you have lost your peace this morning because you sense a storm is coming or because things are not in order in your life the way you want them to be or things have not fully connected or you don't have a resolve yet in your life about a particular area of your life, you're going to find out the one thing that you need to do to receive your peace back again. How does that sound this morning? All right. I'm not going to be long this morning, so y'all stay, stick around. Stay around. No, I'm really not going to be long this morning, but okay. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Amen. Second Kings. Second Kings. <laughs> I love my church. I do. Second Kings 6 says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. There's a storm coming. Oh, no, my Lord. What? Shall we do? Isn't that the first question? Problem comes, a potential problem comes. What, what are we going to do? The servant asked. Don't be scared. <laughs> the prophet answered. Those who are with us are what? More than those who are within. My God. And Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That is my prayer this morning. It's the same prayer that Elisha prayed for his servant. Open their eyes that they might see. Open, I don't care how you came in this morning on May 1st in 2022, but open their eyes that they might see. To fully appreciate where we're reading it right now in chapter 6, you have to appreciate before chapter 6. You have to know that Elisha succeeded Elijah the prophet, that he did had a double portion of Elijah's anointing. God used Elijah in a powerful way, but he used Elisha twice as powerfully as he did Elisha. You would have to know that Elisha, uh, when he met Elijah, said, uh, Elijah casted his mantle on him and said to him, uh, basically, I'm, I'm going to give you a double portion. And, and, and when Elisha says, I want a double portion, he said, if you see me, somebody say, if you see me. If you see me when I'm taken away, you'd have to know that, that Elisha starts following Elijah, and, and Elijah kind of gives some of, those, some of those tests that sometimes you see mentors and people do in movies that when somebody says they want something, they kind of dismiss them. They're like, you don't really want this. You want that? You ain't ready for that. Just see how much you really want it. And so Elijah, Elijah says to Elisha, you, ain't, you don't want what I got. No, no, I want, no, no, you ain't got to follow me. No, no, I'm going to be leaving here. So, no, no, he's, I really want this thing. So, Elijah follows Elijah, and 
as they're following, more than one time, the, the uh, folks around, the prophets around, and all the other people would say, you, can I bring it to 2022? Dog, you stupid. <laughs> he can't really leave here, bro. Okay, bro, B-R-U-H. Bro, you stupid. He can't really leave here. Why are you following him? You stupid. He's like, nah, nah, I'm going with him. So he follows Elijah until the day that the, the Lord takes him. And when the Lord takes him, he sees God show up with chariots of fire. And Elijah's mantle falls, and Elisha picks it up, and Elijah realizes God is with me in the same way that he was with Elijah, except he's answered my prayer, and he's going to do twice as much in me than he did. Oh, that's a good thing right there. That's powerful. Fast forward, he becomes a prophet to the king of Israel, and uh, Israel has this enemy, the Syrians, that are the enemy of Israel, and the Syrian king uh, decides he's going to pick a fight, you know, kind of like how we heard with the Ukraine, with Russia prior to the actual invasion. It was for weeks you kept hearing all these things about what was going to be coming. And so the thing was that the, the Syrians said, we're going to sneak attack Israel, and um, we're going to just take out their people. And so every time the, the Syrian king decided he was going to sneak attack Israel, Elisha would know it. And Elijah would run back to the, to the king of Israel and say, um, the Syrians are going to come. If you go that way down 124 and hook a left, the Syrians are going to be, don't go that way. And so the king of Israel would go a different direction. And the Syrians would show up, and they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Well, this happened multiple times, time in and time out. So one day the king says, he calls a meeting of his advisors and of his, of his army leaders, and he says, um, which one of you is it? They said, is it what? Which one of y'all is working for Israel? Who is the mole up in this group? And they said, oh, my Lord, no, no. Nobody is betraying you. We, no one's going back and telling them. It's that guy, Elisha, that every, even when you stay in your bedroom, he knows what you're doing. He said, oh. He said, well, I got, I got a plan. Then he said, which is a dumb plan, right? Because if he already knows what you've been doing all along. But anyway. Right, so, well, where is he? Oh, he's in Dothan. He's in, oh, he's in Dothan? Capture him. Bring him back. Capture him. So, at nightfall, the Syrian army goes, and they surround, they surround Israel. And if not Israel, they surround Elisha and his servants. So when we come into this text, that's what you're walking into. So now you get up the next morning, Elisha's servant gets up, and the Bible says he went out. I imagine it was early in the morning. He was just going to do a quick Walmart run. And he went down to Walmart's. Y'all know how you put an S on stuff, right? <laughs> he went down to Walmart's. He said, oh, snap. <laughs> we surrounded. So he runs back to the house, and he says, Elisha, there's a whole army surrounded, and, and I know they're coming here for you. And he cries out, and he says, what shall we do? That's the first question we all have, isn't it? When there's a problem, when there's a challenge, when there's a potential storm, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? I'm surrounded, and you know, the problem with being surrounded is that there's no way out. See, we don't really worry about this. I'm not, let me just be clear. I'm not talking about low-level storms. I'm not talking about you got a paperclip. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody, you know, didn't say hello to you when you was crossing the street. I'm talking about when you are surrounded by something out of your control. Yeah. 
that you cannot see your way out. And so the two men find themselves in that situation, and, he, and he, the servant comes back and says, I don't know what we're going to do. And Elisha says, he says, hold up. There are more for us than are against us. Can I give you the New Testament equivalent? Greater is he <laughs> that is in you than he that's within the world. But you know how we would feel if, we, if somebody told us that. You say, oh, my God, everything in my life is going wrong. If I go this direction, this is happening. I go that direction, this is I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. And then a saint come up to you and say, but greater is he. You're like, look. I can imagine the servant looking back at Elijah saying, because he said, more for us than, than uh, that are against us. He's, I can imagine him saying, okay, there's an innumerable, innumerable, yeah, I know what I'm trying to say. Innumerable, thank you, army around. I can't even count. And the last time I counted is me and you. Two. So either you don't know how to count or you're too kind of crazy because there's no way that there's more here than all around us. And then Elisha says, you know what, I got to bypass that. I'm going to have to go above you right quick and pray. God, open his eyes. Somebody shout, open my eyes that I might see. He cries out, open his eyes that he might see. Now, he's not crying out. This is interesting because I know when I'm in a storm, that's not, I don't, that's not my first prayer. My first prayer is not, God, open my eyes that I can see. My first prayer is move the storm. Change the storm. Change the situation. Get me out of the situation. That is not Elisha's prayer. He doesn't pray, change the challenge. He didn't say, change the problem. He didn't say, change the storm's location. He says, open his eyes that he might see, because he's saying, essentially, I need you not to change the storm, not to change his problem, not to change his testing, not to change his surrounding, but I need you to change his perception. Open his eyes that he might see. Change his perspective because watch this. Whenever you lose perspective, every time you lose perspective, you lose peace. No, you missed that. You missed that. He, he's not even dealing with the problem yet because the problem ain't the problem until we deal with the perspective. Because every time you lose perspective, you lose peace. And I'm not just talking about any kind of perspective because we can have a lot of different perspectives about a, a myriad of topics. I'm talking about spiritual perspective. Spiritual perspective. Two men have two different realities. There's one storm, but two responses. You have the servant of Elisha. He's in panic, but you have Elisha. He's in peace. Now, that's, that's quite amazing because seeing, watch this, that the army wasn't coming for the servant, I imagine he would have been taken too, but the, the fact that it was, it was coming for Elisha. How is it that Elisha is the one that they're coming after? Elisha is the one that they got, you know, a bounty on his head, if you will. This is not just a small group. This is an army. But Elijah's like, I ain't worried about it. 
But the servant is anxious. He's alarmed. They had two different perspectives. Same storm, same problem, but two different perspectives. And, and, and what I can tell you about, about both perspectives, what I can tell you about what the man, of, what the servant says, is that what he said was true. They were surrounded. There was an army. There was no way out. That was true. What I can tell you about what Elijah said when he said, open his eyes that he might see, there were more for them than that were against them. Guess what? Both were true. Which leads us to a question. Which reality will you walk in? Which reality will you trust in? Which reality will you see? Because the one that you see, the one that you perceive, the perspective that you hold is the one you're moving towards. And they're both true. One is naturally true. It was a natural truth. Those things all happen. And the other one was spiritually true. The question comes up, or the illustration I'll, I'll use is two wolves getting ready to have a fight. One, is, one represents despair and darkness. The other one represents light and hope. And they go to fight, and the question is raised, well, which, one, which one wins? The one that you feed the most. So in our lives, what does that mean? It means that we both, we all have the option at all times. As a matter of fact, people that would use the illustration would show you that, that both of those wolves are in you. And so the one that you feed the most. See, this is why, let me just say something. This is why we pray. See, some people are like, I'm not going to pray. Nothing changed. I'm going to say a word after that. Nothing changed yet. But that's not even the first reason why you need to pray all the time. Sometimes the reason why you need to pray is that you can protect your peace. Because I'm feeding my spiritual eyesight. I'm feeding my perspective. I'm feeding. So when you're in the Word of God, guess what? When you study the Word of God, it is protecting your peace. When you're, when you're fasting and praying, it is protecting your peace. When you meditate on Scripture, it is protecting your peace. Before God even does anything out there, let God do something in here. Let God do something in here that you have peace before anything else changes. A lot of folks say, I ain't got time. Do you have time to worry? I ain't got time to pray. Oh, you have plenty of time. All you got to do is take out your time on any given day and set it. Every time you start worrying and your mind starts wandering about what could happen, what might happen, what didn't happen, time yourself, that was plenty enough time to pray. Open his eyes that he might see. Say that, God. Say, God, open my eyes that I might see. Yeah. Because, see, part of perspective is it's not about that, that prayer was never, let me say, that prayer was never about eyesight. The man could already see. It was about insight. Where are you, God, in this? If I can find God in this, I'll be all right. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying to you this morning. If I can see God in my situation, I'll make it through the situation. 
If I can see God in my situation, I can have peace in it. I, I testified last week. My wife said, oh, you forgot to tell the rest of the story. I said, you're right. I sure did. I got so excited about when our son was diagnosed with a brain tumor. But I remember that day that we got the diagnosis, and I remember when we prayed. My small group came up. Our small groups came up in, in the hospital room, and we prayed. And I remember that day before anything changed. Nothing changed. All we did is pray. And I remember the Lord spoke to me just in a still, small voice. I knew it was God. He said, he shall not die, but he shall live, and he will depend on me for the rest of his life. That's exactly what I heard. And immediately, immediately, that was a Monday night, immediately I had peace. Did I have to still go through it? Yes. Did I have to still stand with my son? Yes. Is it still the emotional part of watching your son go through surgeries and all the after? Yes. But as far as having peace, I had peace like a river that surpasses all understanding. I had the peace of God. Because why? God gave me insight. And that's what perspective is about. Perspective is about seeing where God or having insight about where God is working in your life, where God is working in your story, and where God is working in your storm. But if, if I'm always crying, and I, and I really realized this as I finished last week we were praying, we, always, we typically, our first prayer, and there's nothing wrong with praying that, it's just that's Bible word of praying to get out of stuff is really deliverance. There's nothing wrong with asking God to deliver you. But when you recognize or you see that he's not delivering you out of it, that he's going to take you through it, then the biggest thing we need to do is say, God, let me see where you're working in this. Give me insight. Let me see. Let, you know how we always say that hindsight is 2020. You know why we said it? Because, oh, now I can see. What the Scripture is teaching us is you don't have to wait till it's behind you while you're in it, while it's coming towards you. You can have insight, and God can show you up front where he's at in the storm. And knowing that God is with you in the storm is enough to release the peace of God to go through any storm. And then we look now at what was it about Elisha that, that an army, I mean, it's one thing, you know, if you got a bully coming after you after school, that's one thing. If you want to take it to the next level, you got a gang coming after you. But an army coming after you, that's a whole other level. What was it about what Eli, Elisha saw that he could still have peace facing that kind, that kind of storm. And, and you would have to know some of the pre-stuff that we just talked about, about Elisha. Elisha saw when everyone told him that essentially, you're stupid, you're not going to make it when, you're when your mention leaves you. And he still did it, and he saw God in that. Then you'd have to know that he talked to the king, and God always, even with the storms that were attempting to come on Israel, always diverted and told them which way to go. Then you might recognize, because we've been doing the Bible in a year, a week or so ago, not long from, uh, that we were in this text, that when the king had heard about Elijah, he started sending, he sent 50 men and a captain to take him out. He said, <laughs> Elijah looked at him and said, are you looking for me? Oh, yeah. Poof. You're talking about being grilled. Fire consumed them. I guess they didn't get the message. They sent another 50. And another captain, poof, again. 
did it again. You know, the devil ain't too smart. He don't learn fast enough. So the third time they come, the captain's like, hold on, wait. <laughs> I heard what happened to the other two. I don't want no trouble. I'm just doing what they told me to do. And Elisha gave him the word to give, go back and give to the king. So this is after all that. And what does Elisha recognize? Elisha recognizes this, that if God brought me to it, he'll bring me through it. That I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how overwhelming it looks. I don't care how discouraging it looks. I don't care how unfair it looks. If God brought me to it, he'll bring me through it. He's got a perspective. He sees how God has been operating and working in his life. He's aware of that. Make a note of this, that peace comes from seeing how God has worked in your life. How God has worked in your life. You know what? When you go to the doctor, they're always going to ask you. You go in there with a problem. They're always going to ask you about your family history and about your history, right? You know why? Because sometimes you got to look back. You don't need to stay in the past, but sometimes you got to look, glance in that rearview mirror and look back at the past to get some information about the past to help you process the present. And so, the doctor's going to ask you information about your past and things that you've gone through and your family's gone through because that past information can give you present insight. And so there's some ways that God has been working in our lives that gives us insight, but sometimes we got to just take a quick flashback about how the last time you didn't think you was going to make it and he brought you over. The last time you checked into the hospital and you thought you would never check out. The last time that you didn't have enough money to make ends meet. Sometimes you got to have a quick flashback about what God has done before. Sometimes you got to stand in front of your mirror and sing and preach your own testimony to yourself. Sometimes you got to testify on your knees and say, God, you brought me over when I thought I was going under. God, you made a way out of nowhere. I thank you right now. Yes, it was in 2005, in 2015, but right now. Because insight will give you information when you can look backwards and God shows you what he's done in your life. It starts giving insight about how faithful God has been. It starts giving insight about the grace that's on your life. It starts giving insight about God's protective care over you. Our children, uh, we have three adult children, and because I, I was a present father, I know them well enough to know, I know pretty much when there's a struggle, I know what they've gone through, and I know how they came through it. And one thing I've been able to speak to them over the years is to say, when they hit an obstacle, when they hit something that just seems insurmountable, to be able to stop and say to each one of them, because it's different for each one, you know what? How God has worked in your life. When you had this, 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 and this, this is how he showed up. So there's some insight about how he might be working right now. For each of the three, it's a little different how God has worked in their life. I watch one of my children look like whenever they're going down here, if you turn around and you blink, they come up, they always rise to the top. I said, God has this way of allowing you to be humbled at first. So I you to take the back seat at first. But before you finish anywhere, he always lifts you up. And here's all the times we've seen God do it. You got to know your own story. You got to know your children's story that you can start testifying and saying, this 
is what the Lord has done. This is how he's been faithful. This is how you've overcome. This might be how he's working right now in your life. And when you can't see the detail, and if you don't have a long enough track record in God, and if you don't know the specifics, if you can't see the details, go back to the big picture. The cross will tell you just how much you love. The cross will tell you just how valuable you are. The cross will tell you just how redeemed you are. The cross will tell you just how powerful in Christ you are. Sometimes you just got to glance in that rear view mirror. It will t- as you're driving, we do it all the time. Now don't stay just looking at that rear view mirror. <laughs> glance. Just a quick, it tells you, oh, I'm centered. Oh, I, I'm, I'm in a certain lane or I can move over, whatever, or how far I've come. And some of us just need to stop there and celebrate. Because no, everything is not perfect and you're not where you want to be. And maybe the situations around you are not where you would like them to be, but how far you've come. Look how far you've come. There are a lot of people that if they were given the same circumstances you've been given, would have never come that far. Did you hear what I said? Some of us were beat up on ourselves too much because we think we should be further. But look how far you've come. There are many people, given what you came through, that would never be as far as you are. Look how God's been working in your life. Look how God's been faithful, even when we weren't faithful. When you can see the past and see how God has worked in your life, it releases a peace about where you are right now. So Elijah's got that peace, but he said, I can't stop there. Because it's nice to know that he worked in my past, but I also need to know he's working right now. And so he says, open his eyes that he might see. Let him see how God is working right now. When the Bible says when, he, when the Lord opened the servant's eyes, he could see horses and chariots of fire all around, full of horses and chariots of fire around the mountain. It wasn't scattered. It wasn't skimpy. It was full of horses and chariots. But it wasn't just this, like, you know, this nice, if you will, car show or horse show. It was different because, see, the enemy had and chariots. The enemy had his, his army. But the horses and chariots that the man saw, the servant saw, was a fire. Mm. Rewind. What he would have understood that to be as a good Hebrew, he would have understood and would have known the stories of those who came before him, the patriarchs that came before him. But let's just throw out a couple, one or two right quick. Let's start out when Moses was facing a storm. When God told Moses to go back and rescue the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses is like, what am I going to do? Sort of just like the servant. Who am I going to tell sent me? 
And the Lord said, hold up. Come a little closer. He got a little closer and realized that the bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed by the fire. And God began to speak out of the fire that I am who I am. Tell him when you don't know nothing else, tell him that I am who I am sent you. I am that I am sent you. And that was enough to get Moses and the children of Israel through their storm. And so he would have understood that to mean that fire represents the protective and powerful presence of God. And that when he saw the chariots of fire, he understood that I'm under God's protective care right now. That even though I don't know how God will do it, how God will solve it, it doesn't even matter the how because God himself is with me right here in this storm. I'm under his protective care. His presence is here. His hand is here, and it's all around me. And no matter what the enemy does, that's the reason why the scripture says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Yes, it'll be formed, but it ain't going to work. It ain't going to prosper. It ain't going to be a success. Why? Not because I'm so good, but because God is with me. And when you really get that, when you really get that, and y'all come up, I'm, I'm closing. When you really get that, you understand that, oh, no, what are we going to do? And I've been there. I've visited that place many times. Oh, my God, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to graduate school when this is going on? How am I going to buy a house in a market that's over my head? How am I going to do this? How am I going to take care of my aging parents and raise my children? How, how, how? When you really understand that Christ is with you, when you really can see and you really have spiritual per perception, when you really see that you start, it shifts because it no longer goes to how, it's a who. That's why he talks about be anxious for nothing. But in all things, the prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, whose peace? So shall surpass all your understanding. Watch this. In Christ Jesus. It's not about how. It's about who. It's about who. And when you, you'll know that, you're, that your perception has shifted. When it's not on how you're going to get out of it and how you're going to fix it and what you're going to do, and more about who's with you. Because, see, when, when you know who's with you, you don't need a plan necessarily. It's okay to plan, but you don't have the confidence. It's not in your plan. The confidence, your confidence is in the person of God and in his providential care for your life. Stand on your feet.